Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. And don't think you don't make a difference because you do. You make a difference every time you show up, every, every time that you come, every time you're a part of. The thing that, that, that I stress and that I really like about the Loveland Healing Rooms and is that, you know what, it's got to be a safe place. It's got to be a safe place to come and learn. You know, we don't all pray the same way. We're not all coming from the same background. You've got to, you know, you've got to be open. Die to self. You've got to be open to correction. I don't know if I would have prayed that way. I don't know if I would have said that. Or, you know what, let's avoid the word self-hatred. Let's avoid the word, you know what I avoid as I avoid the word witchcraft, okay? Because walls will go up really, really fast. Um, sometimes the word, the term, the term uh, demons tends to freak people out. That's why sometimes we say critters. But you know, when people realize that everybody has some or one, that, you know what, it's not that big a deal. I'm sorry, you're not special. Everybody has them. Um, I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel relaxed. I want them to feel uh, loved. Uh, you know, there are some things that we do to make sure that we, we stay there in that, in that area. You know, simple things like um, personal hygiene is real important, okay? Um, don't come stinky. Because it distracts. People will start, what is that smell? What died in here? It takes away from their appointment with God. On the, on the other hand, don't wear a lot of cologne or perfume. It's, it's just as bad. Don't wear a lot of makeup. Don't, don't, um, uh, don't wear low-cut tops. Women. It's distracting. Um, make sure your breath is always well, is good. You know, we, we have uh, baskets in each one of our rooms, and in each basket is hand, hand sanitizer, a little notepad, oil, uh, pencils and pens, uh, and either mints or gum. Out on our table, when you come into the reception area, there's a there's a little glass bowl there with that, that are full of mints, wintergreen mints or whatever she buys. And, you know, um, I tell my team, take all the mints you want. Because there is nothing worse than having somebody with bad breath pray for you. And you would think that we shouldn't even have to talk about it, but we really need to talk about it, you know. Um, and so it's little things like that. Uh, we used to... Uh, always stand up when we ministered to people. And that's what the healing rooms want you to do. Because if you sit down and you start talking, all of a sudden we're not talking about what you're here for or we're learning more about your family and your history and, and all that. We really don't even need to know that. Okay? We're here to pray, and so if we stand up, we don't get too comfortable. Now there are some people that will come in and into my room, and I know into other rooms, and there are chairs there, so some people just automatically sit down. You know what? I'm okay with that. The Holy Spirit can work with you sitting down. Some people come in and I know they're tired. I can see that they're tired. I can feel that they're tired and they're worn out. 
And I said, I want you to sit down and just relax. Because I want, I want to just, as you're sitting there and you're comfortable, I just want to pour into you. I just want to release the blessing and, and the life and the, and the energy and the joy back into you. That's what I want to do. I want you to be blessed. My, you know, my whole thing in coming up, to here, coming up here to Cheyenne and spending time with you last night and today is I want to bless you. I want to bless you. I want you to feel that I want to feel, I want you to feel like you got something out of it that it was worthwhile. I want you to walk away knowing something that you didn't know before or if you had a question. Um, I want you to get everything that you came for and maybe even more. Okay? But I want you to be blessed. I want you to know that that you know 50 miles south of here there's a group of people that love you and care for you and that you're worthwhile you know and to have and and to have our team come up here and minister to you just honors me you know to think that they would they do it because they love it they do it because they just can't get enough of it they're in it for themselves but it really blesses me you know because they want to further God's kingdom and it is a blessing to do that uh, and God has blessed us with amazing weather in February in Wyoming, and, and you've got to take advantage of that. Um, what we did in the beginning, we went to this conference down in Denver, and it radically changed my life. And when you get revelation knowledge, you have to do something with it. There's, there's an, uh, an anointing, an unction that comes over you where once you receive revelation, you have to do something. And so um, what happened with me um, was that I wrote down, I was real cute, I wrote down some things out of the Bible on healing. And we thought of all of our friends, and we wrote a letter and said that we're thinking about doing a healing ministry. If you're interested in healing, I want to invite you to a meeting at my house. And so that first meeting, we had about 25 people show up in my living room. And, and I shared a few things. And then I was, it was ridiculous. I was like a brand new Christian. I was on fire. And the, I said, we're going to do another one of these. And we sent out letters. And so if you want, if you want to do this, come back. We sent out more letters. And so... I, I got this, um, I did this word search on faith, and it was just like, it was way overwhelming. I was, if you can think of the last obnoxious brand new Christian you've ever run into, you know, you know that guy, and, and they just want to cast out everything and heal everything, and they're not letting you go home until you are like walking on clouds, that was me. I had three pages, I had three pages of stuff on healing, which any pastor, it would have taken them a year or two to, to teach on. I did it in like 30 minutes. <laughs> and I had people sitting in my living room just looking at me like, what is wrong with him? You know, what is he doing? And, and then, you know, I started to hear, hear God speak to me through thoughts and stuff. And he goes, what are you doing? You know, and I go, What? And he goes, one, one word for you or two words for you, burnout. And you sat in conferences or, or meetings and 
you can only take so much in and you're done. You've hit your limit. I don't care if they're giving away you know, free ice cream. You didn't hear what they said because you're done. Well, I fried these people in 30 minutes. And, 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 I, and I, he goes, overload. And I said, okay. And then I found out that you know, I didn't give them a, a, a handout until I wanted to talk about that because I didn't want anybody jumping in front of it. You know, or reading ahead. And, and he goes, you know, what are you doing? And, and he goes, you got control issues. He goes, it's not your stuff anyway. Just give it to them. I said, okay. So we sent out letters and invited people to our home. And then it was shortly thereafter that that the Charles and Francis Hunter had called for a national day of prayer. And that was in September. And I think I have the original poster in, in my files. But we took a step of faith, and we rented a room at the Fairfield Inn in Loveland, and we had uh, ten people, ten couples, ten couples that were interested in in praying for people. They showed up. We all took a little section of the room, and we just prayed for anybody that came, and and then we taught more classes. And hmm, hmm. And so we taught more classes. And then it got to a point where um, we would have some classes that had 20 people in them, in our living room. And we had one class, one day, that had one, or one time had one person. And then so we had been doing this, and then the Lord said, just get open. And so Jana delivers mail in the southwest part of town, and she was delivering her mail one day, and there was a, a, a student, well, he was a student at the time, we opened our house for this, for this young man who um, was from Chihuahua, Mexico, and um, we had we'd lost track of him. He became a pastor, and he pastored this little Spanish church uh, in Loveland. And so Janice shared with him what we were doing as far as the healing rooms, and he goes, well, you can use my church. And it's like, I didn't want to be in a church. Some people just won't go into a church. And I didn't want to have to deal with stairs because some people just can't do with stairs. But the Lord said, just get open. So we opened up uh, January 21st, 2006. And uh, that first night we didn't have anybody come. So we prayed for each other. We practiced on each other. And uh, we went home. The second week we were open, we had uh, two people show up. And we prayed for them. And that was fine and fun. And We prayed for each other. We prayed for the city. We prayed for the police department, the fire department. We prayed for the ambulances. Prayed for city government. And we prayed for each other. The third week, nobody showed up. And then the fourth week, the fourth week four people showed up. We prayed for those four people for two hours. We were exhausted by the time we got done. And it's like, Lord, how on earth are we going to pray for more, more than four people on a Monday night? And then it just took off from there. It went from four to eight to 12. It went from 12 to 16. Um, it just kept growing. That first year that we were open, we prayed for, oh, I haven't done this in a while, um, we prayed for like 600 people. So we had 600 prayer sessions in that one year from January to January. Okay? The next year, 
we had 850 prayer sessions. The third year, we had 1,000, almost 1,100 prayer sessions. Now, that was just on Monday night, and we were just doing healing rooms. That did not, incla- that did not include schools that we would do, and it didn't include home visits or hospital visits we did. That was just strictly on Monday night. And, um, and it just grew from there. And at one point, um, at one point, we were seeing 35 people a night on a Monday night, which is a lot. And we would have seven healing rooms open in that church. We were using offices, nurseries, kitchen. We used closets anywhere we could. Okay, And it was just all word of mouth. We've never advertised. The only advertising I've ever done is there's a face section in the Loveland paper um, that you're having an event. And I would advertise healing schools. And I do, I do four healing schools a year uh, in Loveland. And we, that's where we get our volunteers from. And our volunteers usually come from the clients or guests or people that come in. Um, and, um, and so then about six, about six years ago, we had a couple from Denver, Wheat Ridge, come up and, and do a prophetic training for us. They, they run a school of ministry and a church down in, in Wheat Ridge. Uh, it's called Golden Eagle something. But anyway, very prophetic people. They came up and they taught our team about prophetic. And then so we started opening prophetic rooms. One Monday night a month is what we had people for. And, um, and then the Lord told Jana, why are you limiting me to one night a month? And because we had people... We would get there at 4.30 to start to set up for the healing rooms, and people were meeting us there at 4.30 that had been waiting there since 4 o'clock to be the first ones to sign up because we only had so many spaces. And it would fill up every time. So then shortly after that, we went to doing the prophetic rooms every Monday night, and it would still fill up right away. People were showing up an hour early just to get on the list. And then... um, and then um, we, we started more teams. We started, two, we started two prophetic rooms every Monday night, and, and they, first, they, they just sign up, right? They fill up right away. Um, you can come to the healing rooms on Monday night, and you have the option of doing both healing rooms and prophetic rooms up until 7 o'clock. And then after 7 o'clock, you have to choose which one you want to do because there's not time to do both. And, um, and if you've never done a prophetic room, it is amazing, and it will bless you. And, um, and so that's how we got started. We just, we just got open. We started with a core group of about uh, 10 people, and we've grown, and we've lost, and we've grown, and we lost. At one time, we had over 65 volunteers that would show up and that would minister on Monday nights. And then uh, we've dropped all the way down to, I think, 20 again. Because life happens. People are called out to other ministries. People are, you know, it was for a season, and that season was over. And so some of them, they just quit showing up, and I, I don't know whatever happened to them. Uh, some of them are called into other ministries, and if they tell me that and they let us know, then we want to pray for them, we want to bless them, and we want to release them.
And that just shocks some of them because some churches, some ministries just won't do that. Um, some people just feel like they're not worthy. They're not good enough. That they don't make a difference. And Satan has convinced them to give up and so they quit coming. But for whatever reason, life happens. And I understand that. Um, I tried to do a schedule one time so I know who was going to be there and I could schedule rooms out ahead of time and that didn't work. That was like herding cats. And, and so I gave that up and I finally gave it over to the Lord. I go, Lord, you know who needs to be here. You know how many people are coming. That's how many volunteers we need. And for the most part, I'm going to say probably 95% of the time it works out really well. And then there's those times when, when the sanctuary has is, is got a lot of people in it and we don't have very many teams. It amazes me that people will sit there for two hours, two and a half hours, waiting to be prayed for. You know, I don't know, I don't know if I would sit two and a half hours waiting for anything. But people do. And they drive a ridiculously long ways. That's how we got started. We don't charge. Uh, there's no appointment necessary. It's first come, first serve. You know, um, I think it's Matthew 10, 8 that says, go, heal the leopard, raise, heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, raise the dead. Freely it's been given to you. Freely give it away. That's what we do. This thing keep popping. So anyway, that's what we do. We don't charge. To come up and do a school uh, like this, we don't charge. Um, we love to do this stuff. This is the first time that we've come up where we didn't print the syllabus that you have. Um, but you know what? To me, that's seed. I'm planting seed. I want to plant as much seed as I can everywhere I go. And you can take, as far as I'm concerned, you can take this syllabus back to your own church. You can, you can start a healing room if you want, if you go through the, the proper uh, steps. You can do a Bible study with it. You can do whatever you want with it. It's not mine, it's God's. And, uh, you know, there's, there's no copyright on it at all, and you can change it however way it fits you. And I've told Kim that and, and the other healing rooms that we've helped get started that, you know what, I'll give you all my forms, and you can change them uh, to whatever fits you, and I bless you to do that. Okay? I will tell you right now that... Um, I'm not authorized to be teaching as far as the healing rooms are concerned in Wyoming because it's in a different region than Colorado. And I have upset some people <laughs> before by coming up here and teaching. I'm not here teaching about the healing rooms. I'm here sharing to you about healing. This is Kim's training. And um, um, so... There are proper channels you need to go through. There is certain teaching uh, by uh, regional and state directors that you have to go through to be authorized as a director and, and open a healing room. We are a nonprofit organization, and we have been from the very beginning. Um, I told the Lord, you know, Father, I have, no, I have no money to do this, but I've got time, you know, and so you start going through the process. Well, to get registered with the state of Colorado is... 50 bucks here and 100 bucks there and you want to do your own 501c3 that you can give people tax credit for their donations, you can try to do it yourself or you can pay a lawyer like $1,500 to do it. 
or you can come under an existing umbrella of that 501c3 like a church. Okay? I did my own. I didn't have any money. And it was like, uh, it was nuts. You know, it was trying to, uh, to decode, I don't know, Latin. And finally I sat there and said, Lord, if you want me to do this, you need to show me the code, how to break the code and do this. And I went back down one night and he showed it to me and I wrote my own 501c3. I worked with the IRS. Uh, it, was a, it was a good experience. Um, and, um, and so we're a nonprofit. And I, I, I do all the, I jump through all the hoops every year uh, to renew and, and stay current on that. Although if you remember a, few year, uh, a couple of years ago when the IRS targeted nonprofit organizations, I fell into one of those and they jerked my nonprofit status and I had to go through the whole thing again. And, and, and virtually I started all over. And it's because they changed the law and they didn't tell anybody. Um, and so, uh, but I have it back and, um, and so we can give tax credit. So if you, if you write a donation check or uh, something like that, what I'll do is I'll take your information off of your check and I'll send you a, a giving statement at the end of the year, and I also add in a letter of what we did with your money so you know where your money went and what we did with it. Okay? That's how you start a healing room. Um, you can go online and get books from Spokane <clears throat> on how to start a healing room. But basically what it is, it's, a, it's your own business because you've got to have all that stuff from the government you know, to be in good standing and, and to be viable. We are members of the International Association of Healing Rooms out of Spokane, which means we pay them uh, $35 a month for them to host our website, and that gives me the right to use all of their materials that they send out and that they have. Basically, I took their forms and I modified them for our forms. And uh, other than that, I don't have a whole lot of interaction with them. I do have a very good relationship with the state directors in Colorado, and they want me to become an associate director of Colorado, um, but they, you know, it hasn't happened yet. No, there is, there isn't, is there? Uh, yes, yes. Gillette and Casper, I think. Gillette's real fun. The the we went up there. Uh, a year or so ago, and uh, Susan Bennett is the director up there, and she's a lot of fun. And um, we helped start the one in, in Laramie. They, they ran for a while, and then they closed down. Because uh, Laramie's tough. Laramie's tough. But there are some people there that have a heart for healing, and, and the other thing is you need to be consistent. I think the reason that, we're, that we've been uh, as successful We've done really well, and I think it's because we're, we're there every Monday night. We've been able to stay in the location. We've only changed location one time. We were closed for five weeks and while we were looking for this new location, and I thought that, that we would lose volunteers, and I thought that we would lose people that knew where we were, and we didn't skip a beat, and we outgrew the building that we were in. Um, our, the building we're in is real crowded. Um, 
But that's how you do a healing room. And, and you hear stories all the time of how people have been touched and people have been healed and people have been moved. And it's all been word of mouth. And it's fun. It's worth the price you'll pay. I guarantee it. We lost a lot of friends. We went to the same church for 18 years. And um, we decided that we needed a more faith-based, spirit-filled teaching out of the church that we attended. We needed more like-minded people around us. And the church we had, as wonderful as it was, didn't do that. And so when we decided to leave the church, and we tried very hard to leave on the best of terms, and that didn't happen. Um, We lost a lot of friends, people we thought we would go into retirement with, people that we thought that we spent vacations with and and holidays with and things. Just, Just quit calling. You know, there's a price to pay. But you know, I'd, I'd pay it again tomorrow to see what I've seen and to be a part of what I've seen. Um, the church that we go to now is, is basically a mega church. Um, but they're like-minded. They have words of knowledge every service. They do an altar call every service. They, uh, they have time for public tongues, which is really interesting. You know, because that's risky in a big church like that. The thing that we like about that church is that we can just go and we can just enjoy it. We're not in charge of anything. Um, they, have, they, they let us participate and they let us know when they want us to participate, but we can just go. We don't have to worry about uh, if the lights are on, if the toilets are running, if the, uh, if the sermon is okay, if the music's too loud, or... Uh, who's going to show up, or is it, is the offering going to be the right size? Uh, you know what? Um, they're always pushing small groups and to get into a small group, but uh, we have a small group on Monday night. And when I, when we're not doing Monday nights, you know, we have counseling off and on throughout the week, and there's some weeks that we do something every night of the week, and there's just some nights you just want to go home and just go home. So... We enjoy res because it's big enough. They really don't need us. Uh, if they did, we would help them. I helped them start. We helped them start their healing prayer thing on Saturday morning, and we were part of that for a while. Um, it's not a healing room. They call it healing prayer. They're not a part of the association, but they do a me- tremendous stuff. And we were very close to the pastor that's over that, and she has come to the healing rooms. And again. I have shared all of our forms and all of our teaching with her and, and let her know that if she needs anything, we're there for her. Okay? That's more than what you ever wanted to know about how to start a healing room. Yep. Still the head intercessor. Um, we've never had a financial need uh, that we couldn't meet in our healing rooms. God has always provided enough money. The, uh, the finances that come into the healing room go into, go into books and mainly go into printing. Um, that's Betty. Um, I print those books. The, the syllabus that you have in front of you, uh, I, I have to go at Kink, to Kinko's and I print those books. And those books cost me like $8.60 a piece to stand here and print those books. I take them home and put them together. But it's worth it. Okay. Um, but we've never had a financial need. My finances are open to anybody who wants to look at my checkbook. I don't hide anything. Um, everything is above board. 
Um, so printing and buying more books is, is where the money goes. We don't take any money personally. Uh, everything that's given to us, it goes right into the ministry. Although our 501c3 is set up to, the, to we can, at some point in time, uh, when we go big, we, and if it went full-time, we could, we could draw salaries. It's set up that way. I have a board of directors. You need a board of directors. Um, again, people that hold me accountable for what we teach and what we do. Um, some people are work in the healing room. Some are just pastors in the community. Pastors in the community look at us, some of them look at us as a threat, as competition, you know, because they think that we're trying to steal their people. We're not a church. You know, God has not called me to open a church. Um, but, you know, they look, some people, some of them look at us as a threat. And like, you know, Kim said, they come and check us out, and that's fun. I think that's great. Okay? Anything else? You know, there are a lot of good churches in Loveland and Fort Collins, and, and I look at them, and uh, knowing what little bit they tell me about them, I will direct them to a church that I think um, would be the best fit for them. Okay? And, um, and, and just go with that. People don't stay at the chain, same church for a lifetime anymore. People go, I mean, because you're called. You, you, you reach different levels in your life, and, and you want a little bit more, and you, you want a little bit maybe more conservative or more, more charismatic, and, and you know, people, and then there's those people that get offended and, and they leave for stupid reasons. And, but, you know, there's churches all over the gamut, and there are a lot of good churches. So, um, you know, you, 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 I send them to churches that maybe are young, small churches, uh, depending on what they want. You know, and I'll tell them, don't plan on staying there long because the Lord will move you, and you know, to somewhere else. Okay, don't don't get hooked up on you know the pastor. It's not about the pastor. It's about your encounter with God every Sunday morning. Okay, we good. All right, let's talk about authority. You had a story. About authority or the anointing? The authority, right? Okay, we'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. I'll give you a good intro. <laughs> the authority, the right to exercise power. One who commands must be obeyed by others and its permission. The authority of Jesus. If somebody would read Matthew 9, 6, please. Okay, and somebody read John 17, 1 through 2. Okay, and Matthew 28, 18b. Okay, so you see a pattern here where all the authority, we have, is there a 26? I don't know how you got 25 because I have 25 right here. 
somebody's double dipping. Is it for me? <laughs> no. <I'm... laughs> um, so you can see a pattern that, that God gave Jesus authority in heaven and on earth. He gave him all authority, not just some, but all authority. All right? And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and divine and human favor. I say that Jesus started out real simple, water to wine. Come on, who can't do that? But as he progressed in his ministry, he got stronger. He gained, he gained strength. He gained wisdom. He, he gained things in his human form. And, and he started delivering people. He started raising people from the dead. Okay? I think that's the same way in the healing rooms. We, we started out, we didn't see a whole lot, but it just kept going and kept going and kept going because we kept showing up and showing up. The authority of the believer. If somebody would read Matthew 10.1, please. Okay. He summoned the 12 disciples and gave them authority. Okay, Matthew 28.19. If somebody would read that. That's a command. He's commanding you to do that. He's not asking you to do that. He's not saying, hey, when you get around and you don't have anything else to do, if you're bored and there's nothing on TV, you know, could you get up and go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father? Okay, it's a command. What are you supposed to do with your life? You're supposed to go and make disciples. But what's your calling in life? You're supposed to go and make disciples. Well, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, then you can go back to Matthew 10.8 and you are supposed to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopard freely. It's been given to you. Okay? There's always something for you to do. But Jesus gave all of his disciple, all of his disciples that authority. He, he delegated all of his authority to those people. Now let me ask you, are you a disciple? Because you're a follower of Christ? Okay? He delegated all of his authority to you. What are you doing with it? What can you do with it? Let it out. Let it go. The more you give away, the more he'll give you. Page 59. If somebody would read Luke 11, 20. Amen. Luke ten nineteen. Okay, he's given you all authority. Tread on snakes, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Just because you get into ministry, and I don't care what kind of ministry, does not mean that you put a target on your back for Satan to take shots at you. No, that is not what it is. If the, if the Father has called you into ministry, and again, I don't care what kind of ministry, I don't care if it's children's ministry, if it's young adult ministry, if it's uh, seniors ministry, if it's healing rooms, if He's called you into that, He will anoint you, He will bless you, and He will give you everything you need to do that ministry and do it with a degree of excellence, not just get by. This one I love. If somebody would read... 
John 14, 12. Okay. Can you even imagine doing greater works than what Jesus did? But yet he said that we would. What does that look like? How could we do greater works than Jesus? Anybody. How could we do that? Okay. I'll take that. That works. How else? How could you do greater works? Okay. We can do more. Don't know. Well, that's still not greater. Through him. Okay. Could do this thing. We can go around the world and just stand right here. And we can release God's power. I was in a meeting one time with Bill Johnson and he got a word for uh, bipolar. And he said, if you've got a cell phone and you know somebody with bipolar, that you pull out your cell phone and call him right now. So he called him right now. You know, this was uh, like seven, 8,000 people that were in this meeting. And so all of a sudden, I bet you've got at least 6,000 phones you know, with people with bipolar. You know, and he prayed that the, the bipolar, bipolar would come into a single pole, you know, that they would be healed in Jesus' name. And that they wouldn't struggle for that. And then he goes, now talk to them, see how they're doing. And there was, there was not 100%, but there was a very large amount of people that said they felt something. Something happened. You know, they're, they're clear, you know, and it's got to be something like that. We can, we can send information around the world by the push of a button now. I don't know if it's greater, but it's more. Ephesians 1, 23, 22-23, if somebody would read that. I've heard people say, if you want to say anything to Satan, Satan write it on the bottom of your shoes because he's under your feet. And there's Matthew 10, 8. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopard, cast out demons. You have received without payment, give without payment. James 1, 22, Be doers of the word and not merely hearers of the word who deceive themselves. You've gotten a lot of information in 24 hours. Okay? What are you going to do with it? You've got to do something with it or you're going to lose it. If you don't use it, you will lose it. Okay? Page 60. We must have the compassion of Jesus. The definition of compassion is to love, tenderly, pity, show mercy, be eager, full of eager yearning. The Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good and His compassion is over all that He has made. Like we said last night, you know what? He loves, the, he loves the Buddhist. He loves the Muslim. He loves the Hindu. He loves the blacks, the whites, the yellows, the greens. He loves them all. You know what? You're called to love them too. And that's a challenge. The one thing that I really enjoy about 
going to Resurrection Fellowship is that uh, Pastor Jonathan has taught me more about loving the unlovable than anybody I know. You know, you, you got to love them. The reason that they're struggling is because they don't think anybody loves them. The reason that they're struggling is because they don't know the one true God. The reason they're struggling is because they've been deceived. If somebody would read Matthew 9, 35, 36. He cured every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. And it's the kind of compassion that just, that just wrenches your, your guts. You know, he, this is his creation. This is the finest thing that he ever created in his own image. You are the finest thing that he ever created. And, and he has tremendous compassion when he sees you suffering and struggling. He really does. Matthew 14, 14, he went ashore and saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and cured their sick. Sympathy locks sickness in. Compassion will pull it out. When you go into a, a hospital room, you go in with compassion. Don't go in with sympathy. Because compassion will reach down and get that person out of that bed. Okay? Okay, when I, when I was dealing with cancer, people would come in and they would look at you sad because they know you're sad. And then, how you doing? How you doing? You know, and it just, you don't want to go there. You know, that's, that's sympath I'm sympathetic. I, I'm sympathetic with what you're going through. I, I agree with what you're going through. Compassion is that, you know what, I know God's got more for you. I know that there is more for you. I know that this is not, this storm doesn't last forever, that type of thing. Uh, okay. All right. The rest of this manual is information, is research material, is, is, is just stuff for you. The life Jesus is life and health, and there's just scripture after scripture. The truth of Jesus. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God, and now they are justified by his grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. Therefore, now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. The other thing is, is you can see the, the, the scripture reference and you can see the translation reference. Okay, then you go on to page 63, the names of Jesus. And that's not an all-inclusive, but they are names for Jesus. Page 65, you versus God. You say it's impossible. God says all things are possible. And then he wrote it down and put it in Luke 18, 27. You know what? Don't try to argue with God because you're not going to win. I'm too tired. Nobody loves me. I can't go on. 
I will give you rest. I love you. My grace is sufficient. All right? Give, <laughs> give up the argument. Stop the whining. <laughs> I'm going to save you a lot of time here, okay? I've, I've hit that pothole time and time again. It doesn't go anywhere. Get over it. Healing Rooms of Loveland. And that is a, just a sheet that, that we have given out in the past um, for people to read and have. Page 67, page 68 are uh, mass references in healing in the, in the Gospels, in the books of Acts. Uh, how many he healed, the size of the group, and some not healed. And if you look through there, all of them were healed. Okay, It's a quick, quick reference. Healing and deliverance by Jesus and the disciples. Again, it's just a quick reference you can look up. If anybody wants to argue with you about if healing is for today or what's going on, there it is. The next few pages. There's a billion words on each page. Jana got that when she went to the centennial of uh, Azusa Street Revival. Page 72 is all the references for the books that, that are mentioned in this teaching. Okay? There you go. You have all the authority you, you need. You have the anointing that you need. If I went out here on this interstate, uh, on the interstate in this intersection and I tried it to, to direct traffic and not have uh, a dark blue uniform on and a flashlight, if I had that on, I could probably stop traffic out there. Okay? In the spiritual realm, your uniform is the armor of God. Where it says, put on the armor of God. It doesn't say anywhere to take it off. <laughs> put the armor of God on. You know, shine it up, use it. Okay. That is our training. I want to know how it went for you in the rooms when you were prayed for. Have you, people from Laramie, have you ever experienced that before? Did you like it? Were they good? Were they accurate? Yeah, they're like that. Were you blessed? Did anybody get healed? More of the hand? You guys. You did? Uh-huh. Okay. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. You were blessed. And we accomplished our goal. Those people are very good at what they do. I, you know. um, that concludes training, our training. Okay? It is 3.30. You're going to teach on prophetic? Okay. You want to take a five-minute break or just power through? Break? Break. Okay, come back in, uh, at 25 till... And Jana will take over.